Hello and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, does recession have to mean stock market falls? The prospect of economies shrinking is certainly no good thing, but the intricate balance of forces acting on asset prices right now mean the impact on markets is harder to judge. That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. There are few scarier words in economics than recession. We're not generally used to our economy shrinking, and experience from the past suggests that when they do, it tends to mean financial pain. Losses for stock markets can certainly be part of that, but history suggests that the relationship between economic growth and share prices is a bit more complicated than that. With some now expecting a recession to arrive soon, how worried should investors be? To help answer that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, I guess it makes sense to assess how likely recession is now and uh, what is the economic dashboard telling us about the prospects for growth? Well, we've just had some um, some data uh, in uh, on this front. So last week we had something uh, called the Purchasing Managers uh, Index, which is a kind of snapshot of the sort of health of um, the economy, but also uh, a snapshot of of um, uh, sentiment towards the economy from from people sort of on the front line, if you like, in in businesses, and um, basically the PMIs give you a number, and uh, the the crucial number here is fifty. So anything yes. below fifty is saying you know actually the economy is contracting. Anything above fifty is saying is actually you've it's still it's still growing. And what that's telling us at the moment is that we're perilously close to to yes. that fifty mark. Uh, and in particular, there was a, a a number for new orders, which is a kind of forward-looking thing, um, uh, telling us you know what what might be happening in the near future to the economy. And that was down at fifty-one. So we're right on that cusp uh, of. Um, you know, of contraction uh, as opposed to to expansion, and I suppose that's understandable. You know, we've got very high inflation at the moment. Um, that's driving up costs. Uh, companies are having to weigh that up. They're having to make decisions about hiring and uh, possibly firing, and whether they can afford to invest in their businesses. So it feels like we're 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 at that sort of crucial sort of watershed moment. Yeah, and actually the the sort of data you're talking about there, um, there's loads of different types of economic data, isn't there? And the, and the sort of headline GDP figures, they tend tend to be sort of backward looking and sort of reflective of the past, don't they? And and it's often, as you say, these other indicators that are. Um, other sort of barometers for various things like consumer sentiment or business activity that kind of thing and that gives you the sort of most up-to-date sort of feeling around what's going on right? yeah I think that's right I think you know obviously GDP is the sort of is the key measure of uh, of whether the economy is expanding or contracting but it is a backward looking measure and by the time you actually get a negative GDP reading you're already in recession. So I think the expectation is that we may well see a fall in GDP in the second quarter that we're just coming to the end of, so April to to June. Um, and then maybe we get another decline in the third quarter, in the July to September quarter. But of course, we're halfway through that. So yes, if that's the case, then we're already halfway through the recession. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, with you know, the, the recession, the, a technical definition being these, these two quarters of, of successive negative growth or shrinking um, economies. Uh, we'll sort of caveat this conversation by saying that's a bit of a arbitrary measure, isn't it? You might have an economy that shrinks 
a huge amount in one quarter, but then bounces back, and then technically that's not a recession. Or you could have two very shallow quarters of, of shallow um, recession, and that would be a recession. So it's all a bit, it's all worth sort of having that in your mind when you discuss these things, right? That it's um, it's not necessarily uh, a sort of hard and fast science. Yeah, stuff. it's a bit like when people talk about bear markets, and they say, you know, if the market falls twenty percent, then that's a bear market. But the the the, the market might dip very quickly down below 20% and then bounce back up again. That's a very different thing from a long protracted fall in share prices. You know, and the same is true of the economy. You know, you can have a, as you say, a a sharp fall in activity and then a bounce back, or you can have a long, slow grind, which occasionally we do get. Yeah. But for the purposes of this conversation, we do need these uh, comparisons. So we're going to make them. Um, (laughs) And we're here to discuss that relationship between the economy and growth and recession on the one hand and stock markets on the other, because it is quite interesting. And we're going to come to the situation now and the, the factors affecting that. But I also wanted to look back at previous periods, Tom, where economies have been shrinking. Is there anything we can say about a, a pattern or relationship between economic growth on the one hand and stock markets on the other in these periods? Yes, I think we can say that there is a relationship between them, but it's um, it's not quite what you might expect um, uh, because there is a there is a lag involved here. That very often the stock market uh, will anticipate what it thinks is going to happen in the real economy. So you'll get a you'll get a movement, uh, you know, often a downward movement in the stock market, which actually seems slightly at odds with what's going on in the actual economy, because the economy might seem to be doing okay, but the stock market is anticipating more difficult uh, times ahead. And it works in reverse as well, that the, the, the stock market can often start looking more optimistic and start rising when when you open the newspaper or switch the television news on, mm-hmm. it's all doom and gloom. Um, so that can be a little bit confusing for people. They say, I, I don't understand why the stock market's going up because everything's really bad. It's because the stock market is looking forward and anticipating. Yeah, exactly. In the way that we've spoken about the economic data, the GDP figures will 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 come through as showing the economy in recession. But of course, markets and investors will have been looking at that front running data for, for any kind of sign that that trouble is ahead. And they can often do that, right? I mean, it's often the case that when when you look at periods of uh, economic recession, stock markets have fallen in a period preceding that so they've 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 actually managed to predict the trouble ahead yes and you know if you if you go back in history i mean i i you know i can remember the the early 1980s um very clearly when there was a very deep recession uh in the uk well and and elsewhere but i particularly remember it in in the uk um and actually the the recession went on for many years um uh, I mean, I, I graduated in 1985 and I can remember leaving university and the economy was in a very poor state in 1985. But if you look at the stock market, um, it actually bottomed out in 1982. So it started rising fully sort of three or four years before the economy started feeling you know, healthier. Yeah. So these lags can be quite significant sometimes. Yeah, and I was looking at some um, analysis of this sort of historic data um, by Forbes, I think it was, and they looked at the the performance of stock markets in years when there was a recession. They also interestingly looked at uh, the stock market performance in the following years, and uh, it all actually painted a bit of a positive picture, probably because of the reasons we're talking about. The market would have fallen ahead of recession and recovered. Um, after it, but it had some interesting stats uh, 
showing that the the recession tended to follow seven months following a peak in the stock market and the stock market would recover four months after the recession if i think i've got that right but it's but it but it's it's explaining that um you can you can you can sort of see this this sort of pattern through from one to the other stock market first then the economy yeah and and there's this overlap i think i think that's the point isn't it that you know that that you are you're still in the recession at the point when the when the stock market starts turning up um and uh, and so you need to be as an investor you need to be prepared for that and looking for the opportunities so not being um, not being too swayed by what's going on in the real world, because actually you may miss the opportunity um, by doing that. Yeah. Well. Well. Let's turn to the to the types of uh, of companies that can perform well or less less badly, perhaps as recessions play out. I mean, recession obviously means less economic activity. It means less demand in the economy. Perhaps less job security. Less consumer confidence. Uh, but some companies. Are going to be. I'm not going to say they're not dependent on those things, but they're perhaps less dependent on them than other types of companies, right? And and so presumably, certain sectors are a bit more resilient in periods of recession. Yes, I mean how how investors tend to talk about this is uh, in terms of um, defensive companies or more cyclical uh, companies. So you know, a defensive uh, company is is something which, as you say, is less impacted by the ups and downs of the economy. So if it's, it's things, uh, uh, it's companies that are selling products or services that people really need to have, regardless of what's going on in the economy, um, or that they choose to have regardless of what's going on. Because one, the, the, one of the sectors which is often talked about as a, a defensive sector uh, is tobacco. Um, and, and that's because, you know, if you are a smoker, you're going to smoke whether the, whether the economy is, 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 is rising or falling. But, but it's things like, you know, food. Um, uh, you know, people have to eat. Um, uh, they have to heat their homes. They have to put petrol in their cars. So there are things which you have to do regardless of what's going on. There are other things which you don't have to do. For example, you don't need to replace your car necessarily. Yeah. You might put that off for a year. So that's a more cyclical uh, sector. So I think, you know, going into a recession, you probably want to be looking around for more defensive sectors to shelter in. And then as you start to come out of a recession, uh, that's when the more cyclical sectors will tend to do better. Okay, well, that's, um, let's, let's look at the current situation in stock markets then, and, and, the, and the process um, of, of arriving, perhaps what people say will be a recession in the months ahead. Um, you know, what is the evidence that we will hit recession or, in fact, avoid it? I've, this this phrase that I keep hearing in, in commentary is the path to avoiding recession is becoming narrower. You know, it's it's getting the, the range of options are narrowing down and, and recession is looking more likely than it did maybe six months ago. Yes. And I think it's all it's related to um, the inflation uh, situation and what the central banks need to do to get on top of inflation. And essentially, I think, you know, go back a few months and the central banks were talking about what they called a soft landing. They're saying, you know, actually, we can we can make some small adjustments to uh, the cost of borrowing, interest rates, um, which will um, press down on inflation. It will tame inflation, but without causing too much damage to the economy. 
fast forward to today and I don't think anyone is really talking in those terms because I think that uh, you know people like Jay Powell at the Federal Reserve accept that they underestimated the extent of inflation and they now realize and accept that they're going to have to squeeze a bit harder with higher interest rates in order to get on top of inflation and that is going to cause economic pain so I think there is an acceptance um, that um, the squeeze is going to be tighter than maybe we hoped and so therefore the chance of a recession is greater than it was even just a few weeks ago. And that's why it's very important uh, right now that that we see, or, or the moment when we see, a rolling over of, of inflation and of interest rate expectations. That's going to be a big moment, isn't it? I mean, we, we, there's been sort of hints of that or whispers of that, but it hasn't necessarily completely convinced yet. But I think you wrote uh, this week, Tom, that um, there was a, a big reaction in the market when interest rate expectations change from 4% US rates to 3.5% US rates. That has a big impact on the stock market and the, and the types of companies, particularly in the leadership of the stock market. Yeah, so we are beginning to see the first sort of intimation that um, inflation may be rolling over. I mean, a good example of that is we've actually seen uh, a fall in uh, the price of copper, which is a very important uh, commodity uh, uh, in terms of being a bellwether for the for, for the health of the economy that's starting to uh, to to come off a bit, and with it expectations about how far interest rates will need to go. So you mentioned that four percent coming down to three and a half percent, and the reason why that's important is that it's those interest rates to use to calculate the present day value of all those future cash flows and earnings that companies are going to make, and. The mathematics of it is that if you have a lower interest rate, then the value of those future earnings is greater. And that's why we saw a big jump in the stock market last week, uh, because people are anticipating the, 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 the companies which are most affected by this, which is the companies that, that are expected to make most of their profits in the future. So the big growth stocks, the technology stocks. Investors are saying the value of those is probably higher than we thought it was a week yeah. ago. And that's why we had such a big bounce, six percent rise in the stock market. This is an interesting, an interesting sort of point. It feels with stock markets, and let's let's end then, Tom, with with how investors should should see all this. Um, there's clearly risks to to the downside, and as we sort of suggested there. There's also investors waiting for any good news as well that to jump on and perhaps ride this recovery as they would they would hope it is out of um, out of this sort of lull. How should investors be viewing it in terms of their own portfolios and their their, their sort of attitude for risk taking, buying dips or not? Mm. How should they view it? Well, I mean, I think I think the key uh, is to um, as. Our former colleague Anthony Bolton said recently, when he was he was in talking talking to us uh, about the markets, he he has a great way of putting it. He says it's really important not to become more bearish as the market falls. And what he means by that is the temptation is as the market falls, you become more anxious. Uh, you look to protect yourself. Uh, you look to take money off the table, to go to safe havens. Actually, the reverse is probably true. What you should be doing is starting to look for opportunities. Now, that is not the same thing as saying um, in the market's fallen by 25% you know, throw all your spare cash into the market all in one go. But what I think it is saying is that um, you should start to look for opportunities 
to become more positive and to start to drip your money back into the market. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I personally am starting to look at, um, you know, funds which have fallen a long way, but but I think are probably invested in in good companies, and starting to maybe think about you know putting some money in month by month into those i'm not going to put all my money in at once um but i think in five years time we may well look back on this moment and say that was a really good moment to start getting more positive about the market okay okay well tom that is all that we have time for now so thanks an awful lot for joining me um before we go i just wanted to mention some housekeeping here on the podcast Listeners may see some changes to how we present the podcast online in particular in the coming weeks. These are mostly cosmetic changes, the sorts of things that have to happen from time to time to keep everything on track and fit for the future. Um, But rest assured that the substance of the podcast will be unchanged and more will be revealed in the coming weeks. So watch this space. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.